devil thought he had us. But it's not going to take our joy. It's not going to push us back. We are coming and we are coming strong. And uh, this is will. This is a battle. This is a will fight. And we are going to fight. We are going to fight. We are going to go all the way. This is no longer Diana years. This has to stop. Good morning, Sussex Squad, Sussex Squad Nations. Good morning, Charles and Joy. Good morning. I just call you Joy. It's so much because I don't want these people to think that they take our joy. It's part of the tough and difficult weeks that all of us, whether it's the Sussex Squad, Sussex Squad Nation, and people who just love Harry and Meghan, and us here, it was a very difficult week. But what they were unable to do, spite of all the lies, spite of everything that they are putting out there, try to discredit them. It's just not going to work. We know the game. We've been preparing for the game. And it just not going to work again. So how are you guys doing? Well, to your point, uh, as you mentioned, it's been it's been a long week. It's not been an easy one. Um, but nonetheless, so much to be grateful for. And as you said, we are going to take that gratitude and continue to be in joy, be in community, be there for one another as best we can. Uh, and uh, keep going forward. Yeah. Thank you so much to you all that who have sent your um, condolence and um, yeah, thoughts and prayers. And thoughts and prayers. So um, thank you. Thank you so much. It was a very difficult um, Tuesday, you know, with not just the funeral itself and to say goodbye. Um, and then had to deal with right after, you know, with everything that was going on. Um, it was just like, I, I, I thought, as I said again, the devil thought he had us. I, I thought it, I, it gets to a point where I just I had to put my knees down and just start praying God for strength because... It it just not going to be another Diana. We're not gonna have it. We're just not going to have it. Something gonna have to change. Something gonna have to give. And it's not gonna be at the expense of the Sussex lives. There is a point where enough is enough. So Charles, how are you? Uh you know, echoes of what you guys have said. Um, tired. I'm tired. Um, one just has been very busy too. It's just been, um, kind of a roller coaster 
just in terms of what's been going on. There's been a lot of good things that has been happening. There's been, a, you know, been very productive. Uh, but at the same time, like, you know, you have what's going on, just trying to deal with, you know, what, what does all of these kinds of things mean? And then, you know, what are they going to do about it? Um, and then really, honestly, just trying to deal with all the negativity that's out there that, um, I mean, it's a fairly direct, uh, correlation between what happened obviously to Diana. I, I mean, as you know, it just like being, um, and sin for me personally, you know, it's like emotion after emotion and depending what day it is, you know, something I'm dealing with, um, but um, I'm here. I'm ready to go, ready to do this, ready to talk about what this is, what we are seeing. And it seems to me that Act 2, I thought was going to start it slow and get harder later. But they start pretty much with a bang. They start with a bang. But I can tell you really right now, in my opinion... They make a huge mistake. And so let's really, um, I guess we'll get into it once the service starts. But um, I am so hyped right now. And I just need to be very, very, very careful on what I say because I'm too hyped. I may say things that I shouldn't say. You remember, this is church. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, not just because of church, um, you know, service, because I think... God want you to be yourself, want you to tell the truth as you see it. And I think um, my generation see things very, very different. We don't have time for um, all the nonsense. We can, you know, see things through, you know, what it really is. We're not as stupid and dumb as they like to paint us to be. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I could just completely turn off the noise and see things for what it is, because it's clear. It's it, it's not rocket science. I don't think you, <laughs> you need to have the degree that, you know, we have here just to see what really going on and what is happening and how how he himself said, you know, I mean, they try to make history repeat itself. And it's very clear to us because they have not changed the game. The game still remained the same. I just thought that, you know, in my opinion, that Act 2 maybe probably would be a little bit different. Because the everything that was going on is to get these folks to be kings and queen, consult, queen whatever you want to call her. Um, yeah. And then we'll start dealing with things a little bit by a little bit, but I didn't expect they were going to start with a bang like that. I knew they would get to it eventually. I just didn't expect it was going to be that soon. And just for anyone who may be either listening for the first time or missed last week's service, that is what Lady Sussex is referring to is, is the focus that we had last week. Uh, was the second act, and what does that mean? And now that it's beginning, so as as you're saying, it's it's begun with a bang. 
That's right. And so, um, again, we continue, you know, praying for Chachinali and, um, I hope she's doing really, um, good and she's recovering well. So, Charles, um, what is in, um, Chachinali report? Sure. So for the Church and Ellie Report, what we have today is obviously first and foremost, happy anniversary to our lovely couple. Absolutely. So Absolutely. first and foremost. That's right. That's so, right. Yeah. Five years strong. Going on five. So nice. What's the thing for it's five? It's not going. It's actually no, it has been yeah, five yeah, yeah. years strong. What's, yeah. The, yeah. what's the thing for five years? Maybe paper. Paper? Maybe. What the heck is that? What is the anniversary? They always have something for anniversaries. I don't understand. So, Explain to me. You know how you have like a gold anniversary, silver is 25, diamond is 75. Why do you call it like that? Why is it silver? What is, why is it? No, it's just, it's like a precious metal or like some sort of commodity. Oh, represents. they give you a medal? No. <laughs> they don't give you a medal. What it but is, why? is just, just what it is. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to explain it to you. All right. So what it is, is that for a long time now. Certain years have represented certain metals or certain precious stones or, right. or gems. And so you have like 25 is silver. is a silver anniversary. 50 is gold. Mm-hmm. And then I believe diamond is 75 years. But does that mean your husband gives you it doesn't mean anything. a silver, <laughs> a gold, and diamond? But maybe. why not? Maybe, maybe. Or or you give your husband. It doesn't yeah, yeah. One it, way. Back, it goes both ways. <laughs> what by is way. the Gifts point? work on both sides, not just <laughs> not just one way. And I did just look it up. It is you're close with paper. It's wood. Wood. Okay. Nobody's so, gonna give me a piece of wood. <laughs> and it symbolizes. And this is this is good actually. It symbolizes long lasting strength, wisdom, and forgiveness. Flexibility. It is said. And I don't know what I'm reading from. Some random website it says it, it is said. That by the fifth year of marriage, the couple has begun to develop a strong, deep roots like that of a tree, like that of a tree, hence the wood, preparing them for a long-lasting relationship. I'm so confused about this. <laughs> this cannot possibly be the first time you've heard this. I've never heard of it. Okay, so let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. Um, yes, so other things going yeah. on in, in uh, the world of Harry and Meghan is uh, they actually, this week, they... Um, Recognized Mental Health Awareness Month for both yeah. uh, Prince Harry and Meghan. So yeah. the Duke and Duchess of Sussex actually visited a local youth group in Santa Barbara called AHA Santa Barbara to learn firsthand about this generation's experience with social media and, and societal pressures and how it affects their mental well-being. Uh, they engaged in a whole bunch of conversations with these guys, lasted over an hour, and they were really trying to work and find solutions together about how they actually deal with these kind of online pressures. And uh, Archwell obviously holds a core belief that mental health is of the utmost importance and underpins all of our work. And uh, we are regularly meeting with those young people and parents and professionals uh, to understand the challenges that they may be facing while working together to drive uh, towards long-term solutions on and offline. So that was an official statement put out by them. Wow. Wonderful. Wonderful. And um, Josh. I'm sure day is coming. <laughs> so I see you looking at me like. There are comments. And again, we have to share our sincere gratitude, appreciation, and frankly, disbelief that even more um, members have joined the, to support the channel and to support this, this work. And it is so humbling. 
Um, and we just have to to give the shout outs because we're just, again, we, it's really, really hard to believe. So new members, um, thank you so much. Lydia Washington, uh, Diane Hawkins, Patrickoa Marcel, and Kimberly Orr, who is the first of the Sussex soldiers. Specifically. Oh, wow. Um, but uh, they joined um, Kay Castillo, T. Higgins, R.R. R. Carter, and Don Robinson Gales, who were our first members ever. And we are, again. Well, thank so you so much. Because one of the things that, you know, um, Sussex Squad, Sussex Squad Nation, I'm not sure you guys are aware of. Um, we find out that, I mean, obviously most, um, I suppose, um, shows on YouTube have what I guess you call, you know, what is it? Um, you monetize? My monetization. Monetization. Yeah. monetization. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for us, because the way our service is structured and music, it's a huge part of the service. And because of that, we unable to have the monetization. I guess that is that a proper word. Yes. You know, we 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 can't we can have it. I believe there is. Um, I think you was the one that was telling me this. There is this thing where you can share the your monetization with. Um, some yeah. Well, explain yeah. that. But unfortunately, most of the music we use. <laughs> Yeah, we need to It's not it. available to yeah. you know with them. So really you guys support means so much. It means that you know what there's so much we will be able to do because we don't have the monetization and YouTube is just going to be racking and making money on us. Yeah. That's so that's thank true. you, thank you, thank you so very much. And in fact, our first comment of the day is from a member, is from Diane Hawkins. Um, and this one had all of us laughing. And I'm going to try to do it justice with all of the pronunciation. But um, it's, a, it's a good, uh, if nothing else, good sort of, it's a good comment, I'll say, just as we talk about the beginning of Act 2. And this is from last week's service from Diane Hawkins. She said, but has Hormilla really arrived untouched? <laughs> I don't think so. The campaign has been rather obvious with multiple breadcrumbs leading back to her front door. Every woman who posed a threat to her, leveling up with Chaz, mysteriously died or was killed. Megan thus far has been spared that dreadful end, mainly due to Harry's clever responses and willingness to tell out the bad news, and his playing with rare, clean, royal hands. The Calmilla plan is truly sinister and goes far beyond the typical royal bus-throwing and briefing on House Against Another. Hormilla is literally willing to kill, and in my opinion has more than once, to achieve her desired end result, which not only includes her throne sitting as queen, but also taking out the rightful heirs and line, while new rule making to level up Chaz's first, albeit illegitimate, progeny. All eyes should watch this woman's every action. She is dangerous, Harry's already told us. Amen to that. And hopefully Prince Prince William is, is also paying attention and watching to be honest. Mm. Um, so that's the first comment. And then we have a very uh, different uh, timbre for the second one, but equally important um, is from Sylvia Dixon, who said, Lady Sussex 
Charles and George, thank you for another beautiful Sunday service. We, as supporters of Harry and Meghan, must not take our eyes off the ball. We must continue to pray for Harry and Meghan without ceasing. There, The hate for higher train will not win because we know love and justice will win. Absolutely, especially with everything that happened this week. Half-fitting. Especially. And uh, this last one is of particular importance following last week's service. Um, and we have Miss September 15 to thank who gave you the support of sharing that she too loves popcorn with raisinettes. Mm, so good. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Did you hear that, Charles? Yeah, they had to be more than one. <laughs> so Wait. now there's two. Oh, God. Well, anyway. So thank you, Miss September 15. Thank you, September. <laughs> So that's, that's the comments for, for the week. Okay, so should we get the show started? Right after we remind everybody that we are not experts and we are not a, we are a church service, but we're not an evangelical church. We're not trying to change anyone's beliefs. So uh, what we're here to do is, especially when you think about what happened this week, to stop, pause, think carefully, ask questions, and hopefully in doing so, uh, help to make the world a better place. Amen, because they're not going to take our joy. We're going to celebrate Harry and Meghan. We're going to talk about what happened this week. Let's get the service started. Don't be afraid. We are society. Built on love, built on tolerance, built on love, each other, acceptance. Give them love, give them love. Don't matter what you look like. Don't matter what you believe, but just believe in love. I'm talking to Philly. I'm talking to London. I'm talking to DC. Paris, Berlin. And we're going to always be together. And we're going to always be in love. And we want you in. So, Charles and George, Sussex Squad, Sussex Squad Nation. So, for this week's service, although this is not what I wanted it to go with, I wanted to continue with the Act 2. But we'll continue that in another um, time because I think um, this week is very important. I didn't expect they were going to start so early, so quick with a bang um, on Act 2. It's still an Act 2. But for the word this week, we have here, I have for you, Charles and George, Sussex Squad and Sussex Squad Nation, Pressure, signal, fear. So, Charles, how should we look at the word pressure? Sure. So, pressure actually is uh, was derived in uh, first known in the 14th century. So, it was uh, from Middle English, and then also from an Anglo-French. And then eventually late Latin, uh, and late Latin was called um, pressura. So when you look at the etymology and you kind of get down to the actual root of the definition, uh, the first is basically a burden of physical or mental distress. Mm. So that is what it is first and foremost. And it's interesting and important to note that it's not necessarily just physical, but also mental mm -hmm. is literally the very first thing that it mentions. Uh, and then also kind of in that same situation, you also have the second definition there is also a constraint of circumstance. So the weight of a social or economic imposition is mm -hmm. what they're talking about in terms of just 
pressure. And then you also have an application of force to something uh, by something else in direct contact with it. So basically compression is what they're talking about. Uh, you also have something that would be something that's uh, and makes an impression. So like a stamp. So when you start talking about it, that's basically another way to exert pressure. Uh, the fourth actually is an action of a force against an opposing force or the force of a thrust exerted over a surface divided by its area, which is very mathematical. Um, that particular force actually happens to be electromotive force is basically what that uh, equates to. And then uh, there, pressure has a lot of definitions, just so you know. Uh, there's eight full definitions for pressure. Uh, the fifth, actually, stress or urgency of matters demanding attention. So people who work well under pressure is another nice way to derive that. Uh, the sixth is the fourth of selection that results from one or more agents and tends to reduce the population of organisms. So what that means basically is predation. So if someone's actually like, for instance, lions in the savannah has predation pressure of what mm -hmm. that is or population pressure. If someone's actually, if there's like a war, that would be a population pressure. Uh, and then you have the pressure exerted in every direction by the weight of the atmosphere. So obviously atmospheric pressure. And then the sensation aroused by moderate compression of a body part or surface. That's basically, again, another dip of pressure. So there's lots of different ways. There's lots of different things that actually can cause pressure is basically what this means. It's something that you have to just take. It's, there's no one thing. Pressure happens in a lot of different ways and happens and actually is directed by people and it means a lot of different things to a lot of many different people. So I think that's, that's really kind of what all this comes to is don't try and think that, okay, well, look, it's only the one thing. And when looking at it, I know that I try and give some good examples in terms of what these words are in order to kind of help provide context. But um, instead of actually giving some examples, I thought... Uh, for this particular word, it would be interesting about actually providing some quotes in terms of what some interesting people thought of pressure. Uh-huh. So the first actually is Martin Luther King. So what he says about pressure is that, my friends, I must say to you that we have not made a single gain in civil rights without determined and legal and nonviolent pressure. Hmm. Hmm. So again, interesting. And then also another, and just the last, uh, is what I thought actually something quite beautiful is by Ernest Hemingway. Mm -hmm. And what he says is that courage is grace mm -hmm. under pressure. Mm. Love that. Yeah, Love I that. That was a really interesting. Say it again. Say it again. It it's beautiful because mm -hmm. a lot of it described this week. Uh, I thought so as well. So again, what Hemingway said is that courage is grace under pressure. Mm -hmm. Wow. I want to take it in as you go on. Go ahead. Yeah. No, those are just the two. Those are the two. Those are the two. So, um, George, what do you have for me? Yeah, no, I think the... Um the words are, are particularly important both for what you mentioned with what happened this week, but also just the fact that it's Mental Health Awareness Month. Absolutely. It, um, it's important to talk about. <clears throat> there is actually um, there's a really interesting article um, that was published in uh, Psychological Science 
and it was back in 2011, actually. It's called uh, Pressure and Perverse Flights to Familiarity uh, by Ablit, Tali Reich, uh, Senior Maimin, and Baba Shiv. So what they write, uh, I think... I think is actually really interesting for us to think about because it applies in a lot of different ways to this the current situation with the royal family, with uh, Harry and Meghan and, and everything, and the, and the tabloids. So what they write is, when feeling pressured, people often most desire what is familiar. Familiarity signals safety, which gains heightened importance and appeal in stressful and high-pressure situations. So I think that's uh, also teeing up our, our next word well, before we jump to it. But that fact that familiarity signals safety. They go on, they say pressure, stress, and apprehension amplify the attractiveness of stimuli made familiar through prior exposure. Flight to familiar comfort foods increases under stress. I think we all know that I certainly will will cop to it, <laughs> admitting that uh, comfort foods are, are a real thing. Um, they want to say such, uh, such as that arising from pressures of college life that makes you kind of go to those comfort foods, uh, when both, uh, infants and adults desire safety, uh, their preference for familiarity increases. And this is, I think something that is really interesting for us to think about when you talk about why we're going to keep our joy, why we're going to stay positive and why that's also just important for everyone to think about is they go on, they say, conversely, by independently signaling safety, Positive feelings can eliminate preferences for the familiar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, norm theory uh, also suggests that unfamiliar choices and actions may feel less safe than familiar alternatives because of higher anticipated regret should things go awry. But whatever it may signal, familiarity is not synonymous with safety. Familiar stimuli need not be those most likely to ameliorate felt pressure and stress. Indeed, sometimes a familiar choice can precisely exacerbate the source of one's felt pressure. So for me, there's two two big things. The one of the uh, idea of how important positivity is uh, as a way to sort of negate the need or the negate the urge to kind of go backwards to familiar. Uh, can allow you to continue to progress forward in the way that is actually most beneficial to all, to what you're trying to achieve, the the importance of positivity and being able to do that mentally. Uh, and then at the end, the idea that actually, sort of the flip side of that, if you, just because we have this sort of built-in biological uh, impulse to go back to something that we've been prior uh, exposed to previously, um, that's not actually necessarily the same. It's not equivalent to something that is better for you. And in fact, doing that can actually make things worse. And so <laughs> for me, the first place my head went when we were reading this and talking about the this week's service is thinking about especially the rest of the royal family and this fact that it, this is a whole new world. This is act two. This is the beginning of a whole new stage and they must be feeling a lot of pressure. And so that idea of what are they going back? Are they just having that sort of impulse to go back to the familiar? And what is that then? How can that then make things actually worse for them? Absolutely. The familiarity that you talk about, the grace under pressure that you talk about, and the there's so much going on. And... It's incredible, amazing, even when you say pressure doesn't have to actually mean one thing. 
And the way for me right now I'm interpreting that, everyone at this moment is under pressure. The press, the so-called tabloid media are under pressure. The royals, as you just articulate really well, are now under pressure. And that pressure, they try now to put it on the Sussex. And I think that would be fair to say even included to the Sussex squads. Because at this moment, we should have been in a place of celebration. When you think of celebrating their fifth year's anniversary, the wonderful awards that she just got. And there's so many things to come. And it was like, they know what we do. We are raising, we are fundraising at the moment. And the reality is, how can we put some pressure on these people to remove that joy they have? Knowing that, you know, each celebration, each thing that, you know, we do, somehow we make these people look small and smaller. And when you think from the so-called paparazzi, what does it mean for them if there is no longer a tabloid where that it was entertaining the, a lot of the illegal pictures based on what's reported, was printing these things, they are getting paid for these things. So if it is the truth, if it is, you know, I, you know, I mean, this is what's reported. They, you know, they break the law. So if these things, and they did print, you know, although it's been removed, when you think about, you know, these people make a bit, a good living on Harry and Meghan. And it's already the fact is, is that, you know, the Sussexes are not giving them anything. And now on top of it all, that if the tabloids are no longer there, what it mean for them. But you're looking at the tabloid media itself that was looking at himself. That is a custom allegedly paying to make things go away when the heat is undone and this time around you have Harry that says no this needs to stop people need to hear what you guys do and I'm not having it and so right now this pressure is turning into the kind of chaotic chaos misinformation misleading that we are seeing right now and of course I have my own assumption what else could be playing at play here but I'm going to be very careful with my words but is it fair for me to ask the question 
is that pressure is that pressure it's so great that they're willing, spite of everything we know, spite of history, to actually make history repeat itself as Harry mentioned in several interviews, included um, sphere. Is it fair for me to look at that kind of pressure it's causing people to do that familiarity that you talk about? I think that certainly the, the, the pressure that they're feeling, and like you said, the tabloids and the pressure that the tabloids are feeling from, um, from really what Harry's doing right now. Like they, they, are, they are coming for their wallet. Um, and for some, their very existence, um, just as these legal fees start mounting up. And then like Harry's not the only one. Like they've been doing this to a lot of people. And if people start to see blood in the water and see money on the table that they could take these people to task for the same offense, then the the costs are just simply going to spiral and go higher and then there's going to be insolvency. So so certainly there's a lot of pressure which is there. And then you know, and like you said, like everyone has these kinds of pressures that are bidding that, that are that are getting put upon them. So I think it's how people are trying to um, to kind of survive through it. And I think it's also interesting. What what is not lost on me is the timing behind all this stuff. To what you kind of mentioned a little earlier, it's like. Right after the coronation, you know, they had all this coverage of blah, 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 Charles, this, Calmilla, that, blah, 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 trying to like kind of get people to kind of think about what's going on with the coronation. And then the second it's over, they're going back to Harry and Meghan because they know that's where their money's being made. Yeah. You know what was really wonderful? I was listening to CNN, in my opinion, um, I don't know if all CNN, all the shows, you know, did as great job as when they were interviewed John Miller, I believe. Um, I think it was great. It was for me, it was just let's shut down the noise and let's really actually really hearing what he says and everything he says makes sense. And the way he went about reporting it and the, the conversation was just, it was a very fair conversation and it was incredible to see, um, Kate Williams, and she is this absolutely beautiful historian in England. I adore, I wish I see this woman on every show, and I never understand why that she's not been used, you know, in many of those talking points, but I suppose they not try to learn about the truth or talk about the truth for most of them because I barely see her once in a while she'll pop up on one of those shows and it was incredible to see her here on the network it would have been nice to see Kit Williams more and so let's play and see what she had to say yes I mean the word insatiable exactly the right word what kind of picture were they going to get from inside a car? I mean, just a picture of someone sitting inside a car. It doesn't seem like the most saleable picture. And yet there's this huge drama, this terrifying drama, um, uh, you know, going up at you, just talking about it, reversing down streets, you know, pedestrians in danger, other cars in danger, all of it happening at night. 
uh, just to get pictures of Harry and Meghan. They are the most valuable, uh, I would say, the most valuable celebrity picture opportunity in it for British newspapers at the moment. And a lot of this is driven about how Max was saying he's suing, Harry is suing the newspapers over privacy in in invasions, so there are even a lot of <coughs> negative stories about him. There's always negative stories about Harry, but they are now, I think, driven by the fact that there is a gender because he's suing some of the newspapers about this. And Harry and Meghan have always suffered this negative media coverage. You know, we know that Meghan shutting the car door was seen as against protocol. When you look at, when you research it, many other moral women have shut the car door. And they are, I think, completely, they are, they are, this is the thing. Even though Meghan didn't come to the coronation, even though Charles wanted it to be all about him, a lot of the coverage is about Harry. The world is fascinated with Harry and the British press want pictures of Harry. And this is what paparazzi are doing to get them. And it is so many shades of Diana. Again, as she say, there is a court case. Something is happening. So, is the pressure is becoming too great? And that result into what we see. And so whatever the attention was, I don't know. I have no way of knowing what the intention was. All I can do is speculating because it's not the first time Harry and Meghan come to New York with no problems like that. The last time we have something close to that was when Meghan was pregnant and she was here. And the chase was so great could have injured and so many of us and I remember Tina and Michelle Tina specifically you know how upset she was and for everything we have come to know now and are speculating maybe perhaps they didn't want Archie to be here who knows what could have happened? What could I, you know, like there was so much it's happening. Now we are learning and, and understand what possibly was behind that. And from that point on, nothing like that have happened. Nothing that I know of. They come to New York, they do what they do and they leave with no problem. And now we have the court case as Kate and everybody else talking about and all of a sudden, we have something like that happen. And there's no reason for this to happen. If you listen to my Duke and I, she was present. She was there. She was, you know, outside and watching it all in terms of the paparazzi and everything. And, and I hope, you know... Um, People go into her channel and actually watch what she say. But for me, as someone that, um, well, let me not say what I was going to say, but this is what I will say is based on knowledge, based on what I know, there's nothing they could have done more than what they did. They did much more than they would normally do when they work in 
any type of event. They were very gracious. They let pictures been taken. There was enough time for them to, you know, for those pups to actually take pictures and being able to use and make money. But it's felt like that's not what they wanted. And that grace that you talk about, Charles, with that pressure that they were under, being inside, this car, not knowing what is going to happen, the fact that, you know, they were able to say, you know what, we're not going to go where we are staying because obviously they have to protect the privacy of the people they are staying with. The last thing that they will want, it's people coming in and arrest these people or now they know where they will not, you know, stay. And, or what that would be even mean for these people after they're gone. Because if they know you are attached in any kind of way, these people come after you. And the fact is that, you know, through everything that they were going on, was going on. And they were able to manage to make sure that, you know what, the safety of these people come first you see what i'm saying exactly right i think you're on point i think the other thing that jumps out at me is is as a final thought on this word specifically is it really did stand out at me from reading that that particular article is the two the two sides of the coin and the importance for the sussex squad specifically that when you kind of combine what those researchers were looking into with the the quote from hemingway that that those positive feelings and what this many of the Sussex squad do so wonderfully to help contribute to a positive environment and to support Harry and Megan with that positivity that is creating the foundation for them to have courage, to have grace under pressure, to be able to not just kind of, uh, to be able to overcome the, the, the flight to familiar that one might feel when faced with the kind of pressure that they're faced with that, the creation of that positivity and that positive community and that support is really is, uh, it has so many different benefits. And so it's so important in so many different ways. And, and honestly, on the other side of that coin is as we always do, we, we, we pray for the rest of the Royal family, nearly every service. And and certainly even if we don't say it out loud, it is still something that we genuinely feel That's right. that they, they really should take a moment themselves if they, can and 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 realize that the pressure that they they too certainly feel doesn't necessarily um get better just by going back to what's familiar amen to that so let's move on to our next word um signal charles how should we look at this word that's not just only mean in my opinion your car signal. <laughs> turn signal? Your turn signal. <laughs> that is true. There are more than just that. That is a definition, but there's certainly more than just that one. So for signal, it actually comes from the 15th century and uh, is from Latin. Is actually derived from Latin. Um, so the first is as you mentioned. So it's an indication. It's a sign. So that's the first thing, such as your car signal. 
the second actually is an act, an event, or a watchword that has been agreed on as the occasion of concerted action. Mm. Um, and then a derivative of that is something that actually incites action, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Uh, and then uh, another in terms of the third definition for it is something such as a sound gesture or object that conveys notice or warning. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Appropriate. Indeed. The fourth and last is an object used to transmit or convey information beyond the range of human voice. And then a few more under that same idea is the sound or image conveyed in telegraphy, tele- uh, radio, radar, or television. And finally, a detectable physical quantity or impulse, such as voltage, current, magnetic field strength, by which messages or information can be transmitted. Wow. So those are all signals. Okay. Now, just in terms of just, uh, again, putting some, some nice context around it, I found actually kind of a fun story. So it actually comes from, quote unquote, a royal historian named Hugo Vickers. Uh, is that uh, Queen Elizabeth II actually was quite a big fan of signals, personal signals that she had with her attendants. Right. So the monarch actually used her handbag to send signals to her staff indicated when she's ready to finish talking to somebody. I've heard that. Yeah. So there was a couple, and I again, I just thought that was kind of fun. So if she shifts her bag from one hand to the other, it's a sign that she's ready to move on. So, Mm -hmm. all right. So watch when she moves her bag. Meanwhile, if she places her bag on the table, it's a five minute warning to her ladies in waiting, telling her that she's ready to leave. So Mm -hmm. T minus five minutes. And then if the queen actually twists her wedding ring, better watch out because apparently that means that she needs immediate assistance and get her out. Wow. So those are all little telltale signs. And that's just a few little things that we know. I'm sure they had many, many others, but, and apparently what it says, and just in doing just a a little bit of research on it is that, um, everyone was quite well trained on these signals and would do it in a very polite manner. But nonetheless, um, you know, they were, they, they were, uh, hold fast and true. Wow. Okay. I'm just imagining someone having that information before starting a conversation with the queen. If you're somehow happened to be in the context of having a conversation with the queen and looking down and seeing her move her bag from one hand to the other, be like, God damn, not being interesting enough. (laughs) I'm just thinking about if you, if you're that unfaithful person, when she starts twisting her (laughs) ring around, I mean, what, how, how bad have you done? I'm just going to walk out the room. (laughs) Wow. And you get ejected out of palace window. I guess now we just have to see what um, Queen Kamala signal will be. Well, anyway, George. Mm-hmm. Twisting the knife in the back, right. maybe. Um, so <clears throat> for me, there's a, uh, what I've got is something that honestly I was, felt uh, was exciting to read because it was something that had answered a question that I've had for a long time. Um, and it is called, it's an article called propaganda as signaling. Um, and it's in the journal, uh, comparative politics by Haifang Huang. Uh, and it's actually, uh, it's, it itself, the article is focused on, um, authoritarian governments, but 
for the purposes of today, just going to broaden it to just be generally the context of whether it's a even a large international corporation. Maybe you could say the tabloid media, just as a as a as a for instance of what what else other uh, entities kind of fit within this sort of analysis. And the the article goes into the author is answering this question of why do these entities go about propaganda that is just so far-fetched that it actually makes them seem worse off by doing it. It just it doesn't make any sense. And I think we, we say that a lot of times you talk about the stories that they did about that they do and they, they did and do about Harry and Meghan. And even I think that stat from the month leading up to the coronation of the ridiculous count of stories that were about Meghan, even though she had never been out of her house or any, any of those things that the difference between the stories about, Megan and coverage for Megan and coverage for Kate for the exact same thing. Like mm -hmm. how just ridiculous it was. It was. Like how can you guys not see how bad this makes you look? Right. And I was like, how do, how do you how do you answer that? And it's actually really interesting because this this guy has put forward a a really um, important idea theory about it. So I'm going to read a slightly paraphrased version of uh, of what he what he wrote. Excuse me. So he says, for, however, for indoctrination to be effective, an indoctrination through the use of propaganda, one has to be convinced by the content of the propaganda. Pretentious propaganda that is not persuasive is at odds with this goal. In this paper, I propose that propaganda is often not used for indoctrination. Not really, it's not really meant to actually convince you of what it's saying, but rather to signal the entity's strength in maintaining social control and political order. More specifically, by being able to afford significant resources to present a unified propaganda message and impose it on groups of people, an entity that has strong capacity in maintaining social control, control and political order can send a credible signal about this capacity and distinguish itself from a weak entity, hence implicitly intimidating the masses who may otherwise contemplate change in the status quo. In other words, such propaganda is not meant to brainwash people with its specific content about how good they are or the merit of their stories, but rather to forewarn the society about how strong it is via the act of the propaganda itself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's fair to say, well, is it fair to say this, what happened this week, it was very clear, a signal to the Sussex, this is what you will have to deal with. And this automatically, Harry being in this situation, there's no way in the world that it's not going, what, he's not going to think about his mother in that moment. And so if he has to think about his mom, is it intended for him to think about his mother and that could be his faith? And the reality is, it wasn't just like it was just him. It was his mother-in-law. It was his wife. There's no way they don't know or there's not a signal to him to say that this what your fate can be. And God forbid 
they are successful, then who have your kids? Because the kids are royals, and it is more likely the crown will take custody to the kids. I'm sure that signal attempting, if it is a signal, if it is, we don't know that to be true, but if it is, I'm sure the attempt is for him to think what he's doing. In the court at the moment, that he needs to think about this. Because when you start seeing... They were overwhelmed by paparazzi. Mm -hmm. These were people in cars. These were people on motorcycles. These were people on scooters that had surrounded the vehicle in midtown traffic. And now you've got the NYPD team that is mm -hmm. the protective detail right. um, behind the principal car. And there's scooters and motorcycles running in between them, ahead of them, crossing in front of them. Mm -hmm. um, they're trying to create some distance and this is becoming worse and worse. So finally, in frustration, they made a command decision of, you know, trying to first slow down traffic, block a street, and get some distance. That didn't work because then the scooters and the motorcycles flew down the sidewalks with pedestrians Whoa. scattering, um, you know, no regard to law or traffic regulations or people um, to keep up. So they went to the 19th precinct. That's 67th Street in Manhattan. They blocked off both ends of the street. They created basically a buffer. And then they spent some time, A, trying to cool down from this and say, all right, what's our strategic plan to get to the next location without bringing this entire crowd? Because the protective detail is to protect from stalkers, attackers, right. the things that royals and famous people have to deal with. Um, the actual threat and the hazard had become the paparazzi. And I don't have to remind us, we all know the history of that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that has led to terrible consequences within that family reckless endangerment is there any charge that could be brought against any of them but uh it's a real challenge you know you have scooters with covered license plates you have cars running through red lights you have the security detail and the nypd deliberately and they're authorized to do that uh going through red lights and making turns in order to conduct you know evasive measures to get away from that and then you have people who are not authorized breaking all the same laws to keep up including running down the sidewalk. So, you know, they'll look at the videos, they'll look at the red light cameras, they'll look at other things and say, can we find a couple of persistent violators here that we can identify? Mm. But it went on for a couple of hours. It happened at night. Darkness is a factor right. in getting those images to be identifiable. Um, it was a real mess. Uh, so I'm going to say it's possible, but unlikely that you're going to see mm. a lot of that. Now, we're talking about black cars. We're talking about perhaps supposedly running side work allegedly, even though this is his word, this is what he said, with license plate covered. Why, if you are doing something legal, the license plate are covered? Why? And who they suppose who is in those black car? 
is it fair for me to say if if this is what is happening, if you are in a black, how do we know that whole scene make believe on pops something else can be taking place and happen and nobody knows nothing? Is it fair for me to see the danger and what this could be? Camouflage. Or maybe it's just simple as that, you know what? We're going to show you what we can do. Is that how, is that, is that what that signal supposed to mean? Or at least I'm looking at it as a signal. I don't know for fact. I don't know. I have no reason to be, I, I don't know. That's what it is. But for me, I don't have any other way to explain it. The danger, based on everything that you know at this week we are listening and it's been reported, they spent a lot of time discussing about the cab driver, discussing about what the mayor have said, discussing about the fact is, is that, you know, supposedly the police have said that, you know what, their right was challenging. What does that mean, challenging? What is that? So that's supposed to be less of what happened. I mean, even the people that they try to use to discount the Sussexes and beginning say exactly what it was like the so-called cab driver, the, the cab driver who supposedly that giggling and then feeling so happy and too happy to be on TV. He himself say, you know, look, they got in my car. There was a very, it was very clear that they were shaking a little bit, but there was not even there long enough because they turned back to go to the present. So there is no way his life could have been in danger when he was not a part of the chase and or anything like that. You know? In some ways, in my opinion, he answered the question that, you know what, because it's, again, it's not, it's how they ask the question. Do you understand what I mean? And I think a lot of the Sussexes, even Baron, my brother, did an incredible job about explaining how the whole thing worked. And when you think about how they ask him the question and he's giggling, he's too happy to be there, maybe or may not know what he's actually doing and the consequences for the Sussex and how he chooses to answer these questions. God knows whatever the manipulation or anything else that may have happened, you know, to get him to be in a certain way or say certain because we know that they are good are doing these things. These are people that are willing to even pay people to say bad things because they did that to one of uh, 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 Megan's uh, friend. Try to sort of, you know, say, well, why don't you say, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, that you went out on a date with her or whatever it is that they were trying to do at that moment. And he refuses. And the reality is, he says, no, at no time I didn't feel my life was in danger. 
But wow, his life was not in danger because the truth of the matter is they're getting an escape and the pop is just swam the car and then they're like, well, turn around and drop us back at the police station. And they gave him, and then the, the, the part of, you notice, they were looking or hoping that he was going to say, oh, they didn't tape us or didn't tape me or didn't, or they just give me like two or three dollars. And he said, they give me, they were very generous. They give me $50. And he also mentioned that, you know, how nice they were. But all that fell the side. Because what they wanted to eat, what they got is, is the fact that this guy said no at no time. And then some, you know, New York is safe in blah, 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 all that. Do you understand what I mean? And then perhaps all the context is missing because this guy is being used for exactly what they wanted him to be. I think you're I think you're on exactly right. I think you're on point. I think the other thing that jumps out at me is is that this I the idea that it is potentially and seemingly probably a signal, it's them, them signaling, is that it's not also just just to Harry and Megan. It's also signaling to everyone else because mm-hmm. this is on the world stage. It's signaling to the Sussex squad, to the Sussex's supporters. It's it's signaling to anyone who might have also been thinking about uh, it bringing up their issue or their own beliefs as it relates to what the tabloid media should or should not be doing in matters of privacy, in matters of the, the fundamental structure of society today. It's uh, this. I mean, the, going back to what this guy had, had put in the the article is about that sort of even the ability to afford those resources. The fact that this is happening in New York of all places, right? The fact it's a it's a way across the ocean in one of the biggest cities with incredible resources, and it's happening. They're able to do that there. What does that then mean? It's it's not meant to just signal to Harry and Meghan, look. What happened to your mother? And don't you don't you forget that kind of thing? But also even 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 to to everyone else, just that there's there's power there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is. I mean, they are a powerful force. You know, they are giant. I mean, you know, I think Prince Harry did say that. Do you understand what I mean? And so it's like. When you think about all these talking points, and I was a bit very, very disappointed because regardless whether whichever way you choose to look at it, at the end of the day, something happened that should not have happened. It should have been stay. They had enough time. They took their pictures. There was no reason for them to follow in them. Absolutely no reason to follow in them the way they did. And it's all document. It's all there for us to see. And yet it's as though what we are looking at, it didn't happen. And this is what they're good at. They are having all these talking points, all these blah, 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 blah. I don't even want to repeat everything that they've been saying. But yet, 
all the image that been floating, it's very obviously you when you see one of the things that was really scary for me. And at that moment, I started thinking, wow, that is the thing. This is what they tried to do to Harry, to bring that memory back, knowingly that, you know what, he had mental health issues. It's what he talked about when what stand out to him that what his mother, last thing that his mother must have seen is the flashbulb. And when you looking at all this flashing that was happening, you know, around the taxi cab, as someone that you know who have deal with mental health issues, these things certainly will spark something in your brain very quickly. Very quickly. And so to me, at that moment, this is what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about, and I looked at Dolia picture with her head down. You know, try to hold it together. And it's appeared to be spot of how bad it was for all the three of them. Or at least in picture, because like they say, picture tell a thousand words. And I could be completely making this up and being wrong. But from the picture that I've seen, it's as, as though, you know, the Dutchies had to hold it together. Not just for her husband, understand probably very clear what may be happening to him at that moment. But as well... As her mother who experienced, was having this experience on a beautiful, what should have been a beautiful, wonderful celebratory of, of, you know, accomplishment, achievement that evening. And it's almost that, you know, you can see her in the middle and holding it together. And that's the first thing where my head goes, oh. I wonder that look, it's like, okay, I can't, I know I'm, she must be thinking about her kids. She must be thinking, playing all that in her head, but she doesn't have time to think of, of herself, that she is thinking of Harry and she's of her husband and she's thinking of her mother because that's who a duchess is. Even at the moment, again, I will say it again, in the Oprah interview, one of the things that, you know, what she said is when she said, you know, look, you don't want to give me security, but my husband, can you at least make sure that she has securities? And she was willing to, spite of all the visual, everything that was at her, death threat and all that she wanted to forfeit that as long as her husband has protection that's right they'll tell you what type of person this woman is so Sussex White Sussex White Nation please tell me I see it wrong tell me that I'm, I'm you know like 
I don't know how to look at it. But just a signal to them. And maybe that should lead us to our last word. To fear. So, Charles, how should we look at the word fear? Sure. So, fear is actually an older word. So, it actually dates back to the 12th century uh, in Middle English. There's actually a lot of different variations with it, which I think is actually just really interesting. So, I'm actually going to take the time to go through them. So, the Old English word, uh, fair, is actually an unexpected danger or peril. And that goes back to the Germanic um, which is actually lurking danger, which I thought was interesting. Uh, then you have the Old High German, which is an ambush danger. Old Norse calls it an evil mischief or plague. And then if you actually go back to the Indo-European verbal base, it's actually called just basically a risk or peril. So all those things I thought were actually really right. Like it, it well defines kind of the, the broad array of what that emotion can actually feel like and be. So to get down to the actual definitions, uh, the first is an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. Mm -hmm. So the second is an anxious concern. The third is a profound reverence and awe, especially towards God. And then last is actually reason for alarm or danger. Right. So those are all all kind of right around kind of what you'd be expecting in terms of what fear is. So it's it's fairly pointed. It's not kind of like we had pressure, which had so just a vast array of different things it could possibly be. All of this is basically anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> right? It all goes down to the fact that it's causing someone to be scared uh, and generating that single strong emotion, which is basically what the very first definition is. So, which actually leads me to my example, which I find very interesting. And for the example, I was looking through and I was like, okay, well, what's the best example I can think of in terms of... Uh, a royal family member or maybe the institution being afraid. And I stumbled across this article from The Guardian. The headline reads, British public support for monarchy, monarchy is at historic lows. Hmm. Pretty sure that's the scariest thing for them. When was that published, please? Uh, April 28th, 2023. Okay, that's very recent. Just uh, just a few weeks mm -hmm. ago. So, and this, I'm going to read you just a quick snippet of what the article is. Only three Britons in ten think the monarchy is very important. The lowest proportion on record, a poll shows, as the Queen coronation approaches. A survey by the National Center of Social Research shows public support for the monarchy has fallen to a historic low. A total of 45% of respondents said either it should be abolished um, was not at all important or not very important. Mm. In, two, in 2022, the year of the late Queen's Platinum Jubilee, 35% of respondents gave one of the same three answers. Overall, answers in 2023 displayed a drop in support for the monarchy to roughly the levels last seen in 2021. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. The data based on uh, over 6,600 interviews builds on 40 years of data collected for the annual British Social Attitude Survey and shows the number of people who say the monarchy is very important has fallen to only 29%. Wow. That's almost that's almost 10 points lower than just a year ago. This reflects a long-term trend of declining support for the monarchy with the new research showing the number of those answering very important at the lowest level since data collection began in 1983. <laughs> but the return to 2022 levels is in keeping with the bump in popularity the Windsors tend to receive during showpiece events like the Jubilee, betting, uh, weddings, or births. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. as you would expect. But when I start thinking about what could possibly be the Royals be so fair, so be, uh, so be scared about what could cause such fear. I'm pretty sure that, that that's pretty near the top of the list. Maybe, maybe it, it, this should be, but I will say maybe, and I'll say why. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, no, I think fear is, um, Fear is an interesting word, and the way it builds on pressure and signal, and and what what it seems like anyway on the face of it may have been the objective, maybe one of the objectives of what happened on on Tuesday. Um, so there's there's a couple of interesting things about it. One is from actually back uh, from an article following World War One. It's titled "Mental States in the War: The Psychological Effects of Fear." Um, and the author, Robert Armstrong Jones, writes that as to the nature of fear, it is without a doubt a very fundamental emotion. And basically the idea that progress from brute to man, so our, our progress as a species, is characterized by nothing more than a decrease in the frequency of occasions for fear. Fear connotes a mental state in which the future appears to dominate the present whilst the actual present is a revived experience of the past, this experience being a painful one. Fear is described as a vestigial form of our former or ancestral type of mentation, and it is defined as the anticipation of pain. Fear must follow a preceding pain, and it presupposes its previous experience. It is this revival of previous pain that constitutes the emotion of fear. It is fear that urges the organism to avoid a previous danger, and therefore fear has a definite biological value. So I think what you were saying right before we got into the word even of uh, at the end of the, the, the last conversation about what it must have been going through Harry's head, given what his past has been, given what he's experienced before, how, that, that, how that is in fact the prerequisite for that fear to even exist in the first place and for it to be as severe as it could be because of that emotion itself it is a, it is a reliving of the past it is it's trauma it's it's trauma and it's it, creating trauma yeah and it, it takes you out of the real present and makes your real present this sort of t- simultaneous re- re- reliving of a painful past with an anticipation of a pain in the future um it's honestly especially to talk about mental mental health awareness month it's like that that emotion specifically is one that is probably the most damaging to anyone absolutely because think about it guys think about it sussex squad and sussex quad nation when you think about what the next months 
going to be for the Sussex. Everything they have in the calendar to come. And there is time we aren't able to even see what they're doing until they've done it. And it's like, wow. And it's another great thing. And from now to October, it's fair to say it is they are taking the center stage. Whether it's the court, what is, you know, Harry being in the court, God knows what else that, you know, they're working on to preparing for this big event in Germany. It's Sussex's all the time. Every, you know, it just, it, it's, it's, it's big thing. They are doing big thing. They are commanded, you know, sort of the world's attention. They are getting the world's attention for all the good and for all the good thing, may I say. Do you understand what I mean? And so you just have this fight in Act 1, I'll call it Act 1, to get these people to coronations. What else for them? Because they're going to have to go out to tool, I guess, promote what that, I don't know what to call what just happened. Who Charles, King Charles going to be to the church, to his countrymen, his, um, I guess I won't call it countrymen, they call them What's the word that they like to use um, for, <laughs> oh God, um, subjects. And God knows you have this woman who jumped from <laughs> princess consort to. Not uh, just princess consort. To, you know. Um, she was She was the second favorite mistress for a time right <laughs> second favorite mistress up, up jump to, to okay to queen yeah okay yeah yeah and then she goes from from mistress to should have been princess consort to queen consort to no let's drop all that i want to be queen okay now that you're queen what is next for you and when you think of in the shadow of the Sussexes, for everything they're going to be doing and are doing, what does it mean for them? And obviously that fear of the Sussexes, it's all Sussexes fort. That as though that, you know, the Sussexes it's the people that was making the fact is, is that, you know, their poll is down. It's because of the Sussexes. They're not doing more work. Or it's because the Sussexes, they're not using their platform, this incredible platform these people are giving and choose not to do anything about it. It's, the Sussexes are just minding their business. They are doing things that they always have been doing. You looked at... You know, our Duchess is she's been doing that thing, these things since she was nine years old. There's nothing new here. There's nothing to see. She just happened to have 
a much bigger platform, but she had her own platform and she was very happy with what she had. Now that, you know, she have a bigger platform that, you know, she can do more things and she want to continue doing it at the expense of really dropping her day-to-day work. She fall in love and said, hey, we can do incredible things. She even say in her, I believe, what got them the second date was because they were able to be bond on their, their, their neutral interest of what they want to do in the world. Harry's part of everything they put this man through, everything that, you know, they were doing to him. It's very obviously he took after his mother who just wanted to be there for people, wanted peop- to love people, wanted to, you know, sort of done something good in the world, which is what his mother was. And she said in her own word, somebody got to love these people. Somebody got to reach out. She just wanted to be the queen of people's heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's nothing new here. If these people chooses not to do anything and they want to sit there and then just want people to just bow to them and then sort of, you know, say how great and how amazing that they are, you know what I mean? And, and eating in those silver or gold platter and everything and act as if like the world is staying at a still, like nothing is changes, you know, like it's the same. That is not the Sussex, you know, for. The Sussex squads are not here to sort of, you know what, live. We just want you to leave these people alone because we recognize that, you know, and Megan and Harry, that they are doing incredible job. Many of us, maybe perhaps doing in a small way, maybe many of us wish we could done. And so like any, um, uh, um, area in society you have a represented you have people you choose to represent you and so for me at least for me i don't know if it is like that for everybody that you know who's but at least for me i looked at the sussex and what you know it's not because they are perfect people or they sort of you know like i don't know you know but it just I like what they represent. I like how they present themselves in the world stage and what they're using their platform to do and reach people that, you know, perhaps you and I cannot reach or don't know about or being able to, you know, make things happen. When you think about all it takes was a, just a phone call to make this kaboom thing possible for a woman that who had been looking into build something for her community for how many years? And all it took is someone like the Sussexes, specifically Megan, to just make a phone call. And they got what they've been wanted for years that many people couldn't do. This is why the Sussex squads are here. This is why we're fundraising. This is what we are supporting. We're not thinking about these people. Do what you do. Just leave them alone. That's all we're asking. That's all we're asking. And the idea is, is that, you know, these so-called, if they are signals, 
just to make them fear, just to make them fear on, you know, sort of what is next, knowingly that, you know, they're going to have to be out, you know, for the next few months doing things. And yet this is what they have to worry and concern. And they want them to worry about it. They want them to feel that fear. Or at least I like to believe that's what they're trying to do because I don't know. I'm just speculating and I'm just sort of, it's alleged. Based, because again, my generation, how we looked at things, we don't have time for the, you know, I'm sorry, God, the BS. Yeah, call a spade a spade. We don't have time for that. Like we can see it through it. We can see what's happening because again, it's not a new thing. I've heard my mother talk about the same thing. I hear my aunt talking about it. I hear friends, older friends. I love hanging out with older people because I feel like I learn a lot. I like to hang out with my, with my professors. I like to hang out with anybody that, who can keep my interest because my brain is running very fast. If you guys have not <laughs> seen that. Like, like it's just like, I, I just don't understand it. The, they choose the Sussexes to be on their way. They had them. They could have done that. And you know what? The sad part about it, as much as you're going after the Sussexes, the fact that the Sussexes are still relating because that's something that's never going to change and some really weird way still making these people look good. At least we can say there's one good one of them, which is Harry. And God knows that he had choose right. So in some way, they still attach with the royals, whether they like it or not, which means what they do in some really way, they are benefiting from it. In my opinion, of course. Maybe it's a wrong way to see it. Maybe the Sussex squad maybe disagree with me on that. But the point is, I don't see why the hatred towards them. Well, they're an affront to power. That's it's the long and short of it. I think Harry became a larger affront to power just because he's standing up for himself and he's actually speaking truth to power. So I think he he has certainly become a big problem for them. But I think Megan just being who she is and the color that she is was all it took. I think that's it pure and simple. I think it's a very simple matter of race. Um, and they couldn't take the fact that you had someone who looks like her and is the complexion that she is and has the, the background that she does being that close to to true power. And so they were going to do everything humanly possible and sometimes inhumanly. To, to sully her and they chose the wrong one. She is, you know, when you, ha when you have um, such sharp relief from who Megan is to who the rest of the Royal family are, um, it's, it just makes the comparison laughable. And I think it just, it really shines a light really um, how badly, uh, they truly are treating her and then also what their true intentions and motives are. Um, and I think it just simply boils down to, to, to just that. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what's interesting is hearing conversation 
even younger people than me get it and get it in a way where it's kind of like, well, they just wishes that you know what, what she's doing, it could have been the other one. But the other one, what's stopping her from doing those things? What is stop? Like, I don't really get the whole notion. This is the part that I don't get. That whole hierarchy that, you know what, if you are, you know, sort of a lower rank, somehow that you can't do this because, you know, you're taking life from, well, do something bigger. If I were Baron, I'd make a mumbling joke right now. Yes, why she can't do it. <laughs> oh, God. I'm sure if he listening, he will know exactly what you're talking about. And and it's funny because I was listening to him and there is, um, he was mentioning he thought he lost the mute. <laughs> and he found it. So everybody <laughs> will know what I'm referring to. But anyway, um, just shout out to you, um, Baron. Um, it was very difficult um, listening to you and see you breaking the way you was. And I was with you because I think for many of us, and specifically me, giving the week that I have, I was right there. But I quickly thinking, this is exactly what they want. This is what they want. They want us to feeling exactly that way. They want us to start saying what even I hear a few, not a lot, but a few. Just say, well, maybe they should just drop the lawsuit. Like we quickly, they want us to skip. It's exactly what they wanted. They want us to say, well, okay, well, we don't want them to something to happen to them. Well, you know, what does it maybe put pressure on them to drop the suit? So uh, that is a, honestly, I'm going to, that is a perfect setup for this. The final, the last thing that I've got, because I think it is, it is the advice that is needed in this context in, in response to exactly those emotions. And it's, uh, it's an, it's another journal article. It's in uh, world affairs. Um, and it is titled fear as a weapon, the effects of psychological warfare on domestic and international politics. And just to read a couple a couple portions of it, the uh, the author is Daniel Ganser. He writes, "When we think of weapons, our mind often conjures up images of military hardware. We think of guns and tanks on land, guided missiles, fighter jets in the air, aircraft, submarines in the sea, satellites in space. But arguably, the most effective, the most dangerous, and the most secret weapons are those that we cannot see at all. And fear is one of them. Fear can be produced deliberately through a number of techniques." Creating fear is a little-known area within the military and strategic studies called psychological warfare. Psychological warfare is an unusual form of warfare as it does not usually, in this context, physically attack the target group uh, in order to destroy them, but the minds of the target group, uh, their psyche. Leaving aside the fact that philosophers, psychologists, neurologists, yogis, and theologians to this day have not been able to agree on a, on a single definition of the mind, one can, for the purpose of this paper, he writes, you define it simply as the human ability to think and feel. The target of psychological warfare are thus human thoughts and feelings. If somebody can get access to our thinking and feeling without us noticing it in that way, he undoubtedly can exercise great power. However, 
and this is part of where it gets to one of the two important things. However, once the target has noticed that his psyche is being manipulated through that psychological warfare, the technique loses much of its effect. So, for me anyway, thinking about what you were just saying, the reaction of many uh, to what happened, of what, should they drop the suit or should they do one thing or another, the reality is if you think about this in the context of it being, if that's what it is, if it's fear as a weapon, fear as a, a part of psychological warfare against Harry and Meghan and Harry and Meghan supporters, the recognize it as such. And, and by recognizing it, diminish it and be able to overcome it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because even I think all three of us here was listening to Baron and he was playing a clip. I believe it was the, you know, callers that was calling. I don't know if it was a BBC or if he was a podcast, whatever that was on, on um, that, you know, he was playing this clip and if I was people calling and one of the caller was saying, you know, um, somehow, like not even looking at Harry as a human being, like, you know, somehow, well, you know, it, it, it's probably would not be okay for other people, but it's Prince Harry's and somehow what he's experienced, what is happening, you know, and I believe the host, maybe one of the hosts or one of uh, the uh, um, um, panel person that was saying that, you know what, what am, would you have, would you have saying, you know, um, this, you know, if you have pictures you know, on social media, you, you know, sort of Facebook, you know, which I believe the person was one that they did not have any um, pictures, but let's just say your friend, you took pictures. Does it mean that, you know, you, you supposed to have these people showing up at your home, you know, or the other caller that was talking about, you know, all the nonsense that, you know, people are talking about the, 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 the cut of what these people are doing putting in people's mind and then all of a sudden you're unable to be empathized with these people even maybe yes we may not be celebrities but I don't think you know everyone wants a sense of privacy everyone wants a sense of you know feeling safe and that's included the press the media and all these people I'm sure spite of these those talking heads that coming in and sort of talking all the nonsense that they talk about, I'm sure they want to go home and be safe and feeling that, you know what, they don't have anybody following them. Or a stalker like the Sussexes have that was arrested. Do you understand what I mean? All these people, even regular people, this is why we close our door. This is why we sort of, you know, some people work with protection. So some people like, you know, you don't even have to be a celebrity to, especially these days with everything that's going on and not feeling safe, you know, sort of, you know what I mean? We are all human. We are all capable, regardless what we do for a living. We are entitled to that basic right to feel sort of, you know, privacy when we need to be private and be of service when we choose we want to be. 
I don't get it. I don't get it. And sometimes that I feel like I wish someone can turn the table on these people and said, would you lie? Because at the end of the day, these talking head people are public people. They are celebrities. They are well known. Do you want what's happening to Harry and Meghan happening to you or any member of your family? Sometimes I wish that questions could have been put to them. Because I really don't get it. And I, that's probably what my fortune because I feel like I, what are they trying to do? So is there anything else you guys want to add on? Well, the one thing that I will say is that it's actually from that same interview you talked about with um, the podcaster or whomever. But um, what um, Baron, I believe, pointed out was that, you know, they dehumanized the Sussexes is basically what happened. That what that lady did is that, OK, well, it's just it's just Prince Harry. So as if he's not as if he's not a person. And I think that's what it really kind of boils down to is that they're not taking responsibility for their actions. And they think that anything that happens to Meghan and Harry is fine because they don't view them as, as, as having rights. And I think that's really important context that we have to keep in mind about, you know, truly, you know, who we're up against and then, and then the levels that they're willing to go to. Cause if someone doesn't have rights, it means that you have, you can do anything to them. And I think that's why, again, why fear is so important and why we have to be so vigilant in what we're doing. Yeah. I think that's the kind of just what I had been mentioning before. What I think is important for everyone to, to, to remember is that the fear once, and this is true generally, and, and especially in this context of kind of the psychological warfare, when you are able to define what it is that you are afraid of when you're able to give it a form and a shape and a name, it almost always diminishes it. And when you recognize that someone is trying, someone or something is trying to use fear as a weapon, then it makes that that emotional reaction of the, the fear itself, not as potent. It, it, it removes its effectiveness. And I think, <clears throat> the one, the one of the last thing that I, I, I just really struck me when reading that <clears throat> uh, last journal is that um, the they go in real in depth into psychological warfare uh, between states and all of these different things. I'm not going to go into the details of it, but there's this manual that was written uh, as it relates to psychological warfare, and and just there's a sentence that just jumps off the page at you. From the manual they're reading, it says, ironically, the manual states that the most dangerous moment comes when left. This is for someone who is writing to the person who's employing psychological warfare. Ironically, the manual states that the most dangerous moment comes from when leftist forces renounce the use of force and embrace the democratic process. And so that just got to me again of this. How do you actually conquer hate? How do you actually conquer fear? How do you actually conquer all of those things that are forces of evil for, for, for lack of a more precise term, the, 
the reality is it's not with more of the same. It's with what can be in, in many ways described as the democratic process of actually bringing together, of being in community, of using your voice, of organizing, of not not violence, but of actual uh, organization and, and, and use of your franchise to, to show what you will stand for, what you will accept, and what you will not. And so I think, for me anyway, that thinking about what Tuesday was and how we should or maybe can at least – consider it for the this weekend and going into the rest of act two um that that stood out for me yeah i i I do think um it is really important if you guys don't have anything else to add on i would like to um move on to um I'd like to move to to verse um and then follow by this really wonderful um song so charles Sure. So I think I have a really fitting verse for us today. So it's actually out of Joshua chapter one, verse nine. And it says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord. Your God will be with you wherever you go. Amen. And so let's, uh, Take a break and worship, listening to what I believe is a very fitted song. And um, we'll come back and summarize, you know, um, all of it. Because it's part of everything that happened. There is a silver lining on all this. So, enjoy. Save 
never thought he had me. He thought he song fitted all right mm-hmm. incredible on point on point so what should we make about all this how should we look at really again this is the second act of it all but they started with a bang they didn't build up to it they started with a bang and that bang came from the media so-called paparazzis who they have to sell the pictures to some people to these agencies then who sell it to the because as you could see they had quickly printing these things out which did we move so how should we look at what happened this week what is this week tell us what we should expect for act two. Well, I think the, for me, where my head goes is actually the first word uh, of the day and, uh, and is looking at this sort of how not just like echoes, but almost script like it was of what happened compared to history. Not, not too long ago with his, with Harry's mom and the idea that when, Someone or something is feeling pressure. They go back to what is familiar. They go back to something they've done before. And so for that to be th that, as, as, as familiar as it was, it means to me that whether it's from the lawsuits or something else, it seems like there is pressure that is being felt. And that's how it is beginning to manifest itself. And to that end, it is probably not something that we should expect to, um, it'd be safe to assume that there's their pressure is going to continue to be felt. So how that continues to manifest itself, I think is something we need to watch out for. Absolutely. Um, Charles. Yeah. So if we think about this being the second act, and this being more of a theatrical drama, then the first act was basically setting up the characters and providing background and context. So now we know who all the players are. We have kind of their backgrounds and stories. We have a good understanding in terms of their motivations. That's what all this stuff is. And so what that leads us is to the second act is basically conflict. There has to be a tension hmm. in order to make the drama more interesting. Interesting. And so I think that's where we are. Upset at somebody's life, of well, course. Of course, but that's that's conflict. That's as that's as much conflict as you can get. Uh, and I think that's that's where we all are. Is that now that um, we've kind of set the stage and we understand kind of the roles and what people are looking to do and basically have the plot, um, which is basically um, 
you know, how do how do how does Megan and Harry have a happily ever after? Then I think at this point we have to expect that the opposing sides are going to are going to go at each other and and Harry and Megan are doing his best to go out and actually protect themselves via the lawsuits and and establishing a successful business which they have and and in growing and being good people such as they are and you know and on the flip side of that you have kind of the royal family and and the press and tabloid media who basically are the antithesis of that who are trying to stop them for all kinds of nefarious reasons. And I think we can just expect that to continue and to, and to expand. Right. Well, for me, the way I want to end the service and looking at everything that happened this week, as difficult as it must have been on the Sussexes and tough and memory sort of probably flashing on Harry's mind of his mom, how difficult that must have been for him. Because if he was as tough as it was for us that who support them, I could just imagine because this is their life. This is their life. So how tough. But the way I'm looking at it, the devil did not win. God was present and Diana was there. And I am saying this because as they've been going through their journey, doing the good Lord work, and they have their friend. They have people who love them. The message is penetrating too. And people are watching. I know they are very cautious. They are very deep. They, they're doing the best that they can to protect their family. But sometimes there's always going to be some type of crack. Right? There's a crack somewhere. And so for me, I think what happened this week reveal what the crack is, whether it's under security, why they are fighting for that security and not to feel comfortable and just say, well, maybe we should let that one go because we'll be okay with just what we have. I don't believe they think that for one second, but I'm just saying, and what probably perhaps missing what done wrong, what could be done right. Although John Miller, the way he explained and the kind of people that they have in the team did the right thing that just like paused for a minute and say, okay, well, let's go and take a deep breath and let's go to the present and everything and figure all this out. And they did. And thank God it's all worked out because it could have been worse. But I think Moving forward, the silver lining that for me, I'm choosing to see it moving forward. I'm sure there's going to be better plan. And they're going to, they are very smart people. They're going to make adjustments. 
Because what happened, not only says a lot about where we are and people that we can count on that perhaps maybe we thought we can count on. I think it tells them a lot. Enough for them to be able to make according changes. That doesn't mean or lessen the risk. And that's where prayer coming in. Faith coming in. Trust coming in for us to be added. And pushing back. And continue doing the good because we, we the Sussex squads. We are not here to do evil or hate or functioning in a place of hate. I'm not here for that. We just want to have an opportunity, a chance to do things different. Do you? So I would love for us and to play this really wonderful song. It's a song that I've been thinking about for a very long time and I didn't know when it was appropriate or when I can play this song because it's a very, for many people who hear it the first time, it could bring certain emotion in you in good ways, yet you have no idea what the song meant. It's a song by the name of the clip song. And it's a song that was made popular by Miriam Makeba. I believe she's South African. And this song was we, I guess maybe, how would I put it, was sing again in a very different way. Not really different way, but the music, the arrangement was different for a more modern time now by this wonderful singer that was discovered in one of those talent shows by the name of Siki Joanne. When I tell you this woman really incredible, when she show up singing that song, everybody turned. And I truly believe this woman probably going to be one of the South African hottest vocalists. And I would love for you guys to know her if you don't know, because she literally break the internet when she sing that song. And many of us didn't know what that song meant until more research, finding out it is a song that is about for wedding, for people getting married. And um, could you describe what the song is, George? Because you know about it and you love it as well. It is a beautiful song. Um, and and yes, didn't didn't knew, knew that it was um, for weddings, but didn't really know much more uh, about it than that. But it turns out that it's actually um, of the Kosa people, specifically of South Africa. It's a traditional song uh, sung at. Uh, at weddings and, and with the idea of it being something that brings good fortune because what it is about is about uh, actually um, what they what at least translates to English as the knock-knock beetle and it's because 
it sounds kind of ridiculous when you put it like that, but the reality is that that is something that was seen to be a sign of rain, of good luck, of good fortune, of things that are working out. And so really it's this uh, idea that at this wedding or at this moment in time that you can see that the Beatles there, you can see that the good luck, the fortune, the good fortune is there. Uh, and so I think it's really fitting for especially what they've just celebrated. Absolutely. Their fifth anniversary or even that moment to be able to get back to their kids safely with the knack-knack beetle that was present to protect them, make sure they get home safe and not just to their kids, but as well, make sure keeping, you know, the people that was, who, who, who take them in and allowed them to be. And so I think it's a great song and I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, but before we go to it, let's pray. And George, please. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for another week. We thank you for all of our friends and family and loved ones that are there always to support us and get us through it when it seems like it's can't get much darker or much more difficult. And in particular this week, we thank you for keeping Harry and Megan and Mother Doria all safe, that they were confronted with those forces that want to send signals of fear, that want to put pressure, that want to prevent progress, prevent growth, prevent love. And you were able to keep them safe, to get them home safe. We thank you for being there, for being there with each of the Sussex squad as they've watched it happen. And please continue to be with everyone as they, it's not something that just goes away overnight. That sort of emotion, that sort of fear, that sort of reaction, help us to recognize it for what it is so that we can, with your strength, overcome it. Amen. And I will extend this prayer to our girls, Trechinelli, and many of the squads that probably experience very challenging health issues. Um, I hope you take care of yourself. Prayer work. Let's take care of our mental health because it is Mental Health Month. But let's not let them take our joy away. A hope to a better future. Let's celebrate the successes on their fifth anniversary. Although this song probably would have sang when they were getting married, but I still think that is appropriate and it will always be one of my favorite songs. And so I hope you guys enjoy it. Have a great Sunday morning, afternoon, or evening. Take care of your mental health. Let's love each other and hold our friends and family a little bit closer. Call someone today and let them know you love them. Because when this man, one of the interviews or clip that I was watching, and stating that somehow 
how important taking Harry's picture in a situation that was danger somehow that you know that may be the last picture of him alive was quite hurtful feeling a sense of this is Diana all over again when she made the statement they are planning for me not to be here so you guys know the rest I don't have to say it but I know God is not gonna let that happen this is a new day and we all now have access to watch and see and have receipt on everything that is happening. And I'll pray for all these people who may or may not thinking stupidity, clutter their judgment, pressure of power will lead them to do the unthinkable. I hope God you go and you touch these people and that you put some sense into them for us. Have a good Sunday. Let's enjoy this wonderful song. That I dedicate to Harry Megan and their fifth year's anniversary. May God bless them. May they have many more wonderful years with their children. Good day. Yeah! <laughs>